Hello and welcome to Free Movement. I'm CJ McKinney and today we're talking about British nationality law. I'm here with John Vassiliou, who's a solicitor with McGill & Co in Edinburgh and a regular Free Movement contributor. John, welcome. Hi CJ, thanks for inviting me along. We're looking today at a particular aspect of nationality law, which is registration as a British citizen. So, as I understand, this is different from the normal way that maybe most people would, most foreign citizens would acquire British citizenship, is that right? So the, there's what you would call the standard route to British citizenship for most foreign citizens, and that's a process called naturalisation. It's a process where citizenship's applied for at the discretion of the Home Secretary. After satisfying a number of qualifying criteria, um, they include uh, aspects relating to residence, immigration status, knowledge of the English language, uh, the dreaded life in the UK test, uh, but even if those criteria are met, naturalisation is always at the Home Sec Secretary's discretion. So the Home Office would maybe explain the difference as naturalisation not being an automatic right or an entitlement, but rather something that they would describe as a privilege. Whether others would agree with that, I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. So registration, by contrast, is much more objective. It's automatic. If you tick the boxes, the Home Secretary um, is obliged to grant you citizenship. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, there's a, usually a set of criteria set out in legislation, and if they're met, by and large, an application for registration will lead to British citizenship. There's not an element of discretion in it. There are one or two circumstances where there's something called a good character test, which uh, does have a bit of discretion in it, but by and large, most registration applications are more of an automatic process. Fantastic. So who does that apply to then? Who, what kind of people are able to register as opposed to naturalise? Many different categories of people that can register. I suppose the most common one would be children. There's lots of different types of registration for children. Uh, an example would be a foreign national child that's born in the UK whose parents subsequently acquire settled status or British citizenship. Uh, the parents can then apply for that child to be registered as a British citizen. Another example would be a child born in the UK who has lived continuously in the UK for 10 years since birth. Uh, again, the parents could apply at that time to register their child as a British citizen. And there's other categories for adults as well. Uh, there's a couple of categories that have been introduced to, I suppose, right historical wrongs where there's been aspects of uh, discrimination in nationality law. So what kind of discrimination are we talking about? Um, a couple of different categories. One would be uh, children or illegitimate children of a British citizen father born before 2006. Another category, which is the one we'll come on to talk about uh, for the Remain case, is um, children born abroad during a certain time period to British citizen mothers. Historically, they were unable to obtain British citizenship, whereas had they been born to a British citizen father, they would have been able to obtain it. Okay, so gender discrimination in yeah. terms of passing on citizenship. That's right. Okay, so in order to um, cure that, my understanding was you have Section 4C of the British Nationality Act was designed to 
deal with this historic gender discrimination. Section 4C uh, described as an antidote to nationality laws, long-standing gender discrimination. Is that about right? Um, yes, I suppose so. I'd probably describe it more as a antidote than a cure, certainly. Um, there's no way to undo past gender discrimination. It's happened. Uh, but Section 4C is an example of a fix that's been applied by Parliament to provide a mechanism for registration uh, as a British citizen for those that were affected by it historically. Um, whether they themselves see things like Section 4C and registration as much of an antidote, I don't know, because they still have to pay for an application, make an application, subject themselves to a good character test, attend a citizenship ceremony, swear an oath of allegiance to the Crown, all the things that, uh, that, that others who weren't affected by gender discrimination didn't have to do, they just became British at birth. So still hoops to jump through. There are, though, but yeah. it, it's, it's still a fix or an antidote of sorts, and they're relatively minor hoops compared to other types of immigration applications. So, and this applies to children of British citizen mothers born before 1983 who didn't automatically acquire citizenship. That's right, yes. Um, Just to check my understanding. Not, not spot as, uh, on, as on. <laughs> children born abroad to British citizen mothers before 1983 were unable to automatically become British on birth, whereas had their mothers their fathers, um, <laughs> they would have been able to be British. Okay, so Section 4C is uh, designed with those people in mind. Unfortunately, the inner house of the Court of Session in uh, Scotland, where we're talking today, has uh, endorsed a description of Section 4C as, I quote, a dense and at times impenetrable piece of drafting, um, which uh, in turn is a quote from the leading textbook on nationality law. Um, so it's uh, well-intentioned, but complicated, convoluted? That's right. It's a very poorly drafted piece of legislation. Um, it's long. It contains a number of conditions which must be met. And within those conditions, there's a number of assumptions that have to be made about what would have happened at a time in the past had the law not been discriminatory. And just the way that it's drafted and the way that it's worded has created quite a lot of confusion about how it should be applied and various judges have grappled with this and not enjoyed doing so I don't think. <laughs> well we've uh, now had the Supreme Court grappling with this section 4C and, and who falls within its parameters and, and what it means. Um, and this is where you enter the picture, um, McGill & Co, uh, acting on behalf of a client whose case was decided by the Supreme Court today. Uh, so tell us uh, about that case. Yeah, so the, the, the case was about a lady called Shelley Romaine. She was born in 1978 in the USA. Her mum was a British citizen by descent, so her mum was born in South Africa to British citizen parents. Um, so her mum was a British citizen and she would have liked to pass on her British citizenship to her daughter Shelley. She made inquiries with the British High Commission while she was pregnant to ask about how this could be done. 
uh, on the assumption that Shelley was born abroad and she was quite rightly at the time told that this was not possible. Because um, this was before 1983, that, before the change to the law, that would have made that possible. That's right. So in 19, that's, that would be 1978, five years before this change. Um, at that time, it was possible for children born abroad to British citizen by descent fathers to be registered at a British consulate within a year of their birth and the effect of that consular registration would be to confer British citizenship by descent on the child but because Shelley's father was not British, it was just her mother that was British, the consulate quite rightly at the time told her that it was not possible to register Shelley's birth. So instead of that, she tries to use Section 4C many years later um, to acquire British citizenship by registration, is that right? Yes, that's right. So in 2013, our firm made an application for registration on her behalf, uh, seeking for registration under Section 4C of the 1981 Act, arguing that but for the historic gender discrimination at the time, her mother would have registered her at a British consulate and on the assumption that consular registration would have taken place, had the law permitted it, she would have become a British citizen. And it was on that basis that we argued that she met the requirements of Section 4C. Um, Home Office disagreed and refused the application. Inevitably. The case has been... Uh, advancing since then. Okay, so uh, enough keeping us in suspense. The Supreme Court uh, proceeded through the courts since uh, you first applied in 2013. The Supreme Court has made its decision today. Uh, what happened? Well, the, the Supreme Court's basically blown the door wide open to registration for people in Shelley Remains circumstances. So children born outside the UK um, to a British citizen by descent mother and the Supreme Court's decision goes far beyond what we expected it to do uh, in that it basically disregards the requirement historically for consular registration to have taken place um, in the decision delivered by Lord Sumption the court basically says past is done cannot be undone and the only way to give effect to the uh, the intention behind section 4c which is to cure these wrongs is to do away with the requirement for consular registration for this category of people so you had been arguing that well she tried to register so that should sort of be taken into account yes our, our, our argument didn't go as far as the Supreme Court's decision has gone and I don't know if it would have been possible for us to argue it that boldly but um, our argument was that in order for Section 4C to be given effect it should be possible for people in Shelley Remains circumstances to adduce evidence that their parents would have registered them within a year of their birth had it been possible for them to do so and that's what happened in Shelley's case. Her mother had tried, 
she had a very good recollection of it and we were trying to put forward evidence of this but I think the Supreme Court d didn't really like that approach because it required quite a lot of consideration of hypothetical situations and they, pr they proposed a much simpler solution. So much wider ramifications potentially, the, anyone who was born abroad to a British citizen mother between or up to 1983 potentially can now register or have I garbled that? That is right. A anyone born between 1949 and 1983, right. um, the situation's a bit different for those born before 1949. Lord Sumption mentions that in his judgment but chooses not to adjudicate on it. So the main category is um, the people that fit into that time period between 49 and 83. So you've gone to the Supreme Court with a relatively narrow argument. Lord Sumption has delivered a judgment with much wider ramifications. Um, to put it mildly, do we know how many people potentially are affected by this? It's hard to put a number on it. It's, it's almost impossible to put a number on it, but it, the decision could potentially be of application to half of all grandchildren born before 1983 of men who emigrated from the UK to countries outside Ireland and the Commonwealth sounds like a very large number of people. Um, relatively few people have contacted us for legal advice on this point in the past, but maybe with a bit more publicity from the decision now, more will come forward. Immigration lawyers, should they care about this case? Is this um, legally significant? Yes, definitely. Uh, nationality law doesn't change very often. It's quite a big development and because it's a question of statutory interpretation where the Supreme Court has set out how the statute should be interpreted, there's not much room for the Home Office to wriggle out of it unless legislation is passed to patch this up. So for just now, I think lawyers should be interested if they have any clients or any clients come forward who believe they fit into that specific scenario, then they should be able to make an application for registration under Section 4C. Congratulations, John. Uh, McGill & Co is your firm. Um, who were your advocates in the case? Thanks, CJ. Our advocates were Kenny McBreerty, QC, and Leslie Irvin from Axiom Advocates up here in Scotland. Well done. Um, got our obligatory plugs in there. Um, congratulations again, John. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you.